Everything's possible this morning. Olivia, come quickly. She has a word for the house before we get into the word. So when um, Kyle was leading service and he asked for us to just wait a little longer and uh, call out to the Holy Spirit, David began to sing and he when he got to the uh, statement about the lamb has overcome, something hit my spirit. And when I shared it with Papa, he said, uh, I should uh, come up and share sure. this. I was hoping he would. Um, <laughs> and then I kept asking God throughout the service to confirm if this is him. And, and what Catherine just did is a complete confirmation to me. And so this is what I heard from the Lord this morning, that the lamb has overcome. And, and the way it came to me is that there, there are things you've been dealing with that you don't even know you've won over. But because the enemy keeps playing commercials to you and threatening and mocking at you, you don't even know that you've won the battle. And the Lord says to you this morning that he's here to rebuke the devourer. He's here to say, thus far and no more. That the time for your release is now. And you need to rise up in that authority. I need you to understand that when David brought down Goliath, it was a stone. But the giant was already down. And he went over and got his sword and cut his head up. And you need to know that you have authority to flow in the victory that the Lamb has overcome for you. And so if you're here this morning and this identifies with you, can you just give me a wave? There are things that you've been going through that you know you have overcome, but the situation is lying to you and it's telling you. And so we're going to pray this morning that the God who comes in his power, the lion of the tribe of Judah, he's here this morning and he's roaring from Zion. He's telling the enemy, you take your hands off of my kids this morning. Father, we are so thankful that you are the great I am. You are the mighty man of war, Holy Spirit. And you are here this morning. And we want to address every territorial spirit, every devouring spirit this morning. We say the Lord rebuke you. The Lord rebuke you. In the name of Jesus Christ, I break off every chain that has been holding you back. Everything that has been causing you to think that you are still defeated because you are an overcomer. I come against every lying spirit. Everything that has been mocking you. Every curse on your time. Every curse on your time. I break it this morning in the name of Jesus, the living God. And you are free to be all God has called you to be because your hour has come. Your time is now. There's a release. There's a Kairos moment up in here this morning. Receive the power of the Holy Spirit to flow in freedom in Jesus' name. I believe that there was more than one person who needed to hear that. I believe that it was a church-wide thing. So, Father, we receive what you've given to us. We come into your word with great anticipation that this is a new season. This is a time where miracles are happening, where signs and wonders occur. And that, Father, you have chosen, for whatever reason, you have chosen to use us, your people. And so we stand here in great hunger and anticipation of all that you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Thank you, worship team. You did an amazing job.
the final words of Christ that he gave to the church before he returned to the right hand of the Father were words of mission. He, his command was that as his people, we were to go everywhere to everyone and declare and demonstrate the life-changing power of his story. That we would not have to depend on our own skills, our own ability, but that the Holy Spirit would equip us, would clothe us with the very power of God. That when we come into places where there was spiritual opposition, when we went into dark places where evil powers reside, we could break their power and bring light and freedom. That we would have the ability to pray and to call on God with a spiritual language. That dangers that arise and come across our path in an attempt to stop us from going forward would not succeed. That there would be the ability to meet people at their point of brokenness and see breakthroughs, see answers come into their lives. We are a people who love. We are a people who believe in and depend on the Holy Spirit's work. We are a people of the Spirit. We're not better than anyone else, just a people that realize that we have a vital mission and that the Holy Spirit is the only one who gives us the power, gives us the ability to fulfill and accomplish that mission. That is the purpose of the Summer of Miracles, to have each of us focus on our personal mission and the mission of our church to connect and to be conscious of the Holy Spirit work at work in us, through us, as we go wherever he leads us. Today is Pentecost Sunday. Dr. Luke tells us in the book of Acts that after his death, Jesus presented himself alive in many different settings over a period of 40 days. In face-to-face -face meetings, he talked to them about things that concerned the kingdom of God. As they met, as they ate meals together, he told them that there was, they were of, uh, he told them they were on no account to leave Jerusalem, but that they must wait for what the Father had promised. The promise you heard from me, John baptized in water, Jesus said, you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit, and soon. So for 10 days they prayed together, and then 50 days after the resurrection, 10 days after the ascension, Pentecost, the arrival of the Holy Spirit. And Luke reports that on all that went on, he says, without warning, there was this sound like a strong wind, gale force. No one could tell where it came from. It filled the whole building. Then like a wildfire, the Holy Spirit spread through their ranks. And they started speaking in a language, in a number of different languages, as the Spirit prompted them. Not only had all of that occurred, but that day 3,000 people came to know Jesus. And a number of believers kept growing from that point. As in the church, in the power of the Holy Spirit expanded exponentially. The secret, the beauty, the power... The effectiveness of the early church was its dependence, its connection, its relationship with Holy Spirit. Paul writing to the believers in Ephesus, but also to you and to me on this Pentecost Sunday, instructs us, commands us with these six words that I want you to grab hold of this season of miracles. Listen to them as I read them out of Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. Be filled 
with the Holy Spirit. Paul says, in order to be effective, in order to be successful in the mission, be sure that you're full to the point of overflow. Be filled with the fullness of, the, of who Holy Spirit is. Be in such close relationship with the Holy Spirit that you're never half full, that you're never dry, that you're never empty, but be full and keep getting full in life-giving relationship with the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. I've grown up with those words. They've been painted on walls in the churches that I've attended. They've hung on banners. They've been memorized. They've been preached to me all my life. The relationship that I have had with the Holy Spirit has been incredible. My first meeting was in the fall of the year that I was 13 years old. My pastor had preached a series of sermons on the person and the work of the Holy Spirit, and each one made me hungrier, made me more long for what he was talking about. Finally, on one night, the, the Sunday night before Thanksgiving, I, I buried my head in the corner of the front of the church, and I pled with God for more than I had experienced, more than I had ever known of him in my young life. And at that, that evening, a wonderful, kind, faith-filled lady came up to me, and she prayed with me, and I had an encounter with Holy Spirit that changed my life forever. I've never wandered far from that place, far from that experience. There have been times when I, I wasn't full, times when, to be honest with you, I was empty. And those words have rescued me from wreck and ruin. Bill, let your life be full of the fullness of the Holy Spirit. We are called to be a people of God, people that are filled with the Holy Spirit. If we are to be the powerful, caring, effective people of the mission that we have been assigned, that it's imperative, it's absolutely imperative that we be full of Holy Spirit. But some of you didn't come from Pentecostal or charismatic backgrounds. You don't know what I mean. You don't understand what it looks like to follow that instruction. So, so let me take you to a picture of an actual situation in the book of Acts. Because you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Acts chapter 5. The chapter starts with a, a, an incredible spiritual battle, an assault that's launched on this young church. Let me read a few comments about the day-to-day -day life in the church at, the, at that moment. Acts chapter 4 is where it starts. All believers were of one mind and heart. Selfishness was not a part of their community, for they shared everything that they had one with another. And the apostles gave powerful testimonies about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great measures of grace rested on them all. Some who owned houses or lands sold them and brought the proceeds before the apostles to distribute to those without. Not a single person among them was needy. Now, if, if you're the enemy of God, if you're possessed by a hatred that says the church must be silenced, must be made powerless so that it doesn't take over the world, then you recognize how dangerous that kind of environment is. If that's allowed to flourish, it's going to take over the whole world. And so you have to act quickly and decisively to make sure that it gets shut down, discredited, and immobilized as soon as possible. 
So two people who belonged to that group, who liked what was going on, but, but had decided that they would give part of the proceeds of their real estate sale to, to the church. And that was good. That was fine. It was their money. It was up to them to decide what they would do with it. But they decided that they would give part of what they had earned, but tell everybody that it was all that they had earned. They decided that into this pure, selfless community atmosphere, they would bring selfishness and lies. You should read the story for yourself, but Peter stands up and when the husband comes in and listens to the husband as he tells the story. And then Peter, with a word of knowledge that we were talking about just a week or so ago, calls the man out. How is it that you have so little regard for God and what God is doing here in our family that you would allow Satan to fill your hearts with lies and then come and lie to the family? And instantly the man drops dead in church. A little later on, his wife comes in and tells the same story, and P Peter gives her the same reply of heaven, and she too drops dead. <clears throat> the story of what happened that day is told across the city in no time flat. There were no iPhones, no video clips, no twips, tweets, no, no liars, diet, church posts on Facebook, but the whole city knew. So instantly, the attitude that the city has towards Christians changes. We pick up the story in chapter 5, verse 12. The apostles were performing many miraculous signs and wonders among the people. And all the believers were meeting regularly at the temple in the area known as Solomon's Colonnade. So inside the church, things are pretty much the same as they've been from day one, from the first Pentecost Sunday that the church was birthed. There was supernatural signs. There were healings and deliverances. There were families that were being reconciled. There were prayers that were being answered. Every time they got together, something new, something wonderful was taking place, something significant. You, you didn't want to miss a meeting because it would have been so sad to show up at work and somebody said, oh, you should have been there yesterday. It was unbelievable. It says that at this stage of the development of the church, that it was the apostles, the spiritual leadership that were performing the signs and wonders among the people. It was early days, and that was accurate, but as early as chapter 6 and then chapter 8 and beyond, something takes place, and we see ordinary people, men like and men and women doing the works of God, a man like Stephen who was just serving tables, or a man who was described as, a, as Ananias, a disciple of Christ, who went and prophesied over Saul, a spirit-filled Philip who, who went to an Ethiopian eunuch and started a revival that spread like prairie fire. People outside the leadership team were involved, were operating in the gifts, the signs, and the wonders. 
The prophecy that Joel gave for this era from the time that the church opened until the coming of Christ again was that God will pour out his Holy Spirit on everybody and cause your sons, cause your daughters to prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will experience dreams that come from God. The Holy Spirit will come upon all my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. Jesus said in his closing remarks that these signs shall follow those who believe. Women, men, young, old, Holy Spirit fullness would change the level of skill and ability that everyone who believed would have, could have. Church, this is not ancient history. This is not legend, nor is it lore. This is the inheritance of the people who are filled and keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. This is for you. This is for me. This is for us today. These gatherings were, were regular. Believers gathered at the temple in a, in a huge area that was open and accessible to everyone. Everyone who came to the temple could see them. They were not in a, a, a secret society. They weren't a hidden people group. They were alive and happening, and they were open and accessible to everyone. People coming to the temple heard them, saw them, knew them. But listen to what was happening. Verse 13, but no one else dared to join them, even though all the people had a high regard for them. Now remember, this is the group where two people died because they lied. When you went to the temple, you went around these believers. Not because they were freaky or strange. In fact, they were highly respected. They were recognized by the population as a group that had substance to them. If you were in trouble, if you were sick, if you were broke, if you had weird supernatural things going on at your house, you went and you talked to the people of the Spirit because they would help you. They would get things done. They knew how to get a hold of heaven and bring it down to your earth. But there was an understanding that you don't fool around with them. You don't play games. You don't poke fun. You don't, you don't play mean practical jokes on them because God was with them. The city heard. They knew about the couple who lied and died. They, they, there was a power there. There was an authority, and it wasn't to be toyed with. It would be like you and me going to the park for a picnic this afternoon, and we arrive there to discover that we're there on the same day as the Hell's Angels. You would stay at the park because you have every right to be there, but, but you don't go and get on a motorbike that's not yours. You don't go to a a large man who's wearing a tight leather jacket or sweater or a tight leather vest and say, that vest makes you look fat. <laughs> when you're backing out of the parking lot, you're very careful not to hit a, a whole row of Harleys and knock them down. You're just careful. And the city of Jerusalem was careful with what they did with the Christians. You need to know that in this city of Jerusalem, there was great, incredible need, just like there's need in our city. And when people needed help, when they didn't know what to do, 
they looked for, they sought out the help of one of these Jesus followers because they got things done. They had something extra, something special, something that no one else had. They had Holy Spirit power and ability. Listen to verse 14. Yet more and more people believed and were brought to the Lord. Crowds of both men and women. No one dared join them, but more and more people started believing. More and more people were brought to the Lord. Both men and women, crowds of them. We, we talked a little bit last week about the uselessness of, of yelling at people that you don't agree with. In the years that the church has not been filled to the point of overflowing with the Holy Spirit, we've understood something of the responsibility to be of a moral compass to a generation that's lost its way. So when we do it in our own strength, when we do it with our own understanding, we end up standing up and telling people, you're wrong. You're headed for a Christless eternity. The, the, you're broken. You're, you're, you're messed up. But, but not giving them any help, not giving them any hope as to how to get from where they are to where they, they can find hope. We condemn and we do not help. We tend to yell and not act in the power of God. But Paul told us that we're not to wage war with placards and slogans and mean-spirited marches. Paul said, we are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. And after you've become fully obedient, we will punish everyone who remains disobedient. He says, we don't fight with, with placards. We battle with the weaponry of God, not with intelligent argument. There was something that was so attractive, something so powerful, something very different about these believers. They, they were generous. They, they were spiritually strong and wise. With the wisdom of God, when God is revealed to a generation for who he really is and all that he can do and is given opportunity to love and rescue people in their trouble, in their sin, there's something very attractive about that about someone who has a real answer. There's something about hope that brings people around. We are a people of the Spirit, and we are a people who deal in hope, not yelling. Verse 15, as a result of the apostles' work, sick people were brought out into the streets on beds and mats so that Peter's shadow might fall across some of them as he went by. The promise that Joel gave to the church was that young men would see pictures of what God desires to do in a city. And old men would dream up strategies about ways to bring people with need into connection with God, the God that has the answers. 
word spread that if you were sick, if you were struggling with mental illness, if, if you had spiritual difficulties, if you were ridden by anxiety and depression, then on your way to the clinic, on your way to the hospital, you should try to see one of those Christians, one of those Jesus people. I want you to know that all healing comes from God. I want you to know I love and I bless doctors and nurses and hospitals and clinics. I pray for them and thank God for my health care team. But the system has limitations. And it can't do everything always. The only one who can is God. So on the way to the clinic or hospital, people were bringing their sick loved ones to the temple where they knew that the people of God would be meeting And they were convinced, they were so convinced that God was in and on these people that they would lay their sick on the street. And when Peter was on his way to prayer or was on his way to a a Jesus gathering, he was so full of God's power that when his shadow would pass over some of them, they would be healed. I want you to know that isn't a rumor. It wasn't a legend. It was how they got their health care delivered in Jerusalem. We are the church, and God has placed us in the community to love, to help, to rescue, to serve, to heal people in need in our community. There is power in your shadow. There is power in your words. There is power in the kind generosity that you give. There is power in your prayer, power in your faith, when you're filled to the point of overflow with the Holy Spirit. Power even in your shadow. Verse 16, crowds came from the villages around Jerusalem bringing their sick and those possessed by evil spirits. And they were, and I underlined three times, all healed. I grew up with these words tattooed into my memory. If God sets his church on fire, then the world will come to watch her burn. I know some of you have said I've never heard that, but I'm so much older than you. Judy's heard that one. The church in Jerusalem filled with the Holy Spirit was on fire. And a cold world came from every direction for the hope that came from her light and the warmth that came from her mission. When Jesus, through his church, meets people in need, he brings the signs, he brings the wonders, and people come to see and they get their life changed. What God does, who God is, can't be hidden behind the the walls of a church or kept for us four and no more. He's a powerful enough God to be shared with your person. He's a powerful enough God to be shared with anyone in need that crosses your path. We are at our best when we are driven by love, when we are empowered by the Holy Spirit, when we are directed by God. We take this good news about God to the neighbor, to the relationships that God has given us, and we see breakthrough. As a people who love Holy Spirit on this Pentecost Sunday, we are reminded to be filled with the Holy Spirit, filled to the point of overflow, each day, every day. The method is spelled out in the words of Jesus. If you hunger, if you thirst, you will be satisfied. If you seek, you will find. If you ask, it will be given to you. God's not stingy. He's not a withholding God. He gives liberally. He he holds nothing back from the hungry, from the desperate seeker. 
There's been a stirring in hearts in our house here today and throughout these weeks, a dissatisfaction with the status quo, a cry that says, there's got to be more than this. That hunger comes from the Holy Spirit who births in us a longing for more of God. Its source is the Holy Spirit. So once there is a hunger, then we make ourselves available to him. We push in to get as close as possible to him, to hear him, to feel him, to let him lead our lives. When we're that close, he comes in and he gives us the coaching that the Holy Spirit was promised to give us. He he gives leadership that we've longed for. On, On this Pentecost Sunday, I've identified five things that are part of spiritual appetite. Five things that most likely every one of us in this room has a desire for. And I'm asking the worship team if they would come right now. And and in just a moment, I'm going to ask the prayer team if they would come, but not quite yet. I, I want everyone in the room to identify with at least one of the needs, one of the longings that I that I outline. The first one is spiritual life. You've either never asked Jesus into your life or you've drifted far away from that invitation and he's not found at the core of your being anymore. And I'm asking that if that is you, then when you come forward, you you need to invite him into your life. You need spiritual life to, to start in you. It's the most exciting, most wonderful part of life and living. And when you come forward, ask someone to pray for release in your life. Tell them that you're looking for spiritual life and they'll, they'll help you. The second one is for some in this room that life has become busy. It's become so full of activity that you just, you have just not had the opportunity to prioritize your life, to get first things in first place. But you want more of God. You're asking God to release a a brand new hunger for the things that he says are important in your life. And when you come and ask someone to pray for you, tell them that you have a need. You want them to pray a release of spiritual hunger in you. Third, for some, it's an awakening to the call that's on your life. Every one of us has a call from God. And and you're looking to be equipped. You're looking to be empowered by Holy Spirit for this summer of miracles. For working with people that God has put into your life. And you're looking for the gifts of the Holy Spirit in your life. When you come forward, you tell the person, pray for the release of the gifts in my life. For others, it's a longing for the spiritual prayer language. We don't know how or what to pray. Then the Holy Spirit rises up and he starts to pray in us and pray through us. And he prays the will of the Father and he prays in a language that we did not understand or learn. And if this is you, when you come forward, you ask the person who prays to pray with you for the release of your prayer language. And finally, you've experienced salvation. You've experienced meaningful encounters with Holy Spirit. You've discovered prayer language and something of what your gifting is. But now you need to have a release of the the power and the authority that comes with freedom. 
in being filled with the Holy Spirit. When you come, you ask the person who prays for you to pray for power and authority to be released in you. I've encouraged, I've asked and instructed our prayer people to use a computer illustration. You're coming and praying with someone and they're agreeing with you that your life is open, that you're in agreement with the statement, be filled with the Holy Spirit. When you're on your phone or when you're on your tablet or your computer and you're going to download something new, something of, uh, of a new app or a new operating system, it has all that small print that we never read through. We just go to the end and we press agree. The small print for you this morning is be filled and keep being filled to the point of overflow with the Holy Spirit. And if that's where you are, if that's who you are, then you're coming forward and people are going to pray with you and they're going to agree that the promise of fullness is what you want and what you want to receive. And, and, and it says in Matthew chapter 18, verse 19, if two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it for you. It's written right there. It's a promise. It's not a maybe. It's a promise. And God ain't no liar. He tells the truth. So as the worship team was about to play and you're sitting in your seat, I want you to prayerfully say, God, which of those five things, at least one, some of you will have two, three, four, maybe five, I don't know. Which of those am I asking for? I'm asking the prayer team to come right now and to line up across the front. Come quickly if you would, please. pray which of these is in your heart is in need on this Pentecost Sunday the worship team is going to be singing and as you know when you know what the need is you come forward you stand in front of one of these people they're going to pray release over you and then when they're finished praying you go to your seat and you push what? Push. It's just an acronym. Pray until something happens. Pray until something happens. Pray until something happens. It may happen here in the service. It may happen as you're on your way home. It may happen on Monday morning. It may happen on Tuesday night. It, but it's going to happen. Any two agreeing together. Let there be a release.